0: And I don't change my name.
1: There you go. You're gonna to have to change it. Hey, everybody! Welcome to over 50, starting over. I'm Barry Edwards,
0: and I'm Merle Garrison. And and, hey, it, Barry, it's the first episode of the new season.
1: It is, and it happens to be October 29th. So we started uh, way late October. I always thought it was November, uh, but we started in late October two years ago.
0: Yeah, yeah, we did. So How we've about that?
1: done cuz we started doing the after show at least a year ago if not more. So in total we have to have at least 150
0: episodes. Ah, you think it's 150? Hmm, yeah, wow. I think so. Okay. Well, that sounds um, yes, that I thought it was more like about a hundred because, you know, you got 52 weeks in the year. We do. Oh, we oh, are talking show. about with the after show. Yes. That's right. Okay. Yes. Gosh. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's a lot. It is. So it's
1: October 29th, 2021. And uh, all signs are pointing to that COVID is going down, down, down. But the question is, do we get a spike come winter, like a typical flu? Cause mm-hmm by the way as you know i just got back from asheville a couple days ago i have pictures and but what made me think of it is what was really disheartening is it's a very very leftist city it's hippy dippy is what it is and Mm -hmm. uh yeah they're all about their masks boy they love their masks, and they're very vigilant about it and um you know i've been so over the masks for a long time now and i'm in cleveland i'm in cleveland heights which is pretty left
0: yeah uh, yeah so we, what's uh, the difference between i mean the mask situation where you are and where they were what what's the difference
1: well uh we don't have any mandates i mean we don't go into a restaurant or anything wearing a mask we don't go anywhere so a few people do oh unless you go <clears> to whole foods
0: everybody at whole foods yeah that's isn't uh, it weird no wait hold on a second i think so there's such the a stores- you can just go to the you can go to the store and not wear a mask i
1: never wear a mask right
0: That sounds like paradise. I go, I go to the gym. Cleveland whatever. sounds like paradise to me. is that amazing?
1: <laughs> it is amazing. So going uh to Austin, and first of all, after enduring the plane flights, and I do say flights because yeah. they're we flew into Asheville, they have a like a medium-sized airport, but we had to do a layover in Philadelphia in order to get to Asheville because they don't have a direct flight. Dude, I would imagine flying right. isn't bad enough. I hate layovers. I hate them. And you're waiting
0: in the airport with your mask on the whole time, too.
1: Yes. And, 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 you know, her and I, Lisa and I are basically to the point where we're just not covering our nose so you can still breathe. And you're not just right. Got that slimy mask all over your face all day. I think a lot of people
0: are doing that. But you see that all the
1: time. You know, you go into these restaurants and you got to wear your mask until you sit down, then you can take it off. Or on the airplane, if you're eating and drinking, you can uh, not wear a mask. None of this makes any sense. All right. Mm. You know, as soon as you sit down, you can take off your mask. COVID can't get you down there. What? No, it can't.
0: Well, here's the deal: is that COVID flies at a high level, at least five <laughs> Above and a half five feet. feet. Yeah. <laughs> and if you get down below, it's sort of like being in the trenches during World yeah. War One. You know, yeah. you get down there, nothing's going to get COVID you COVID. Can't there. get me down here, but up here, you know, this is the thing: tall guys.
1: Yeah,
2: like you we something.
0: gotta. Yeah, exactly. So keep your head down. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, but besides it doesn't that, make any sense. It doesn't No,
1: So I was thinking I was doing some math that when we go back and we have to go back with art, we discuss that right away because we didn't get to boom. I hate to
0: say that <laughs> that's a shame. And
1: it's a must. It's a must on our list. So we have to go back. We're already talking about um when we're going to, uh, but I'm thinking maybe flying into Charlotte, direct flight into Charlotte, and then driving yeah. the two hours is probably a better way to go.
0: That sounds pretty logical to me. It's two hours from Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think it'd probably be a really fun drive.
1: You know, here's the other side of it though, is <laughs> Excuse me. If we're um, if we need the car because we're going to all the surrounding communities. Well, we got to rent it either way. So yeah, going, going into Charlotte and driving to Austin would be fine. But for anybody that just wants to go and visit Austin, if you haven't done it, don't rent a car man, Uber, because First of all, Austin is one of the nicest cities. Downtown proper is one of the nicest cities I've ever been in.
0: Wait, are we talking Asheville? I'm sorry. I keep saying Austin.
1: I keep doing, I did that the whole trip. I it's do so mean confusing. Asheville.
0: I am sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay.
1: We did Austin a couple of years ago and uh, yeah. we loved it. But um, Asheville, I think is at the top of both of our lists now. You know how much I talked really? about Nashville. Love yeah. Nashville. yeah. Ironically. Right. Asheville and Nashville both have a Hendersonville and I loved Hendersonville in both places the most thus far. I haven't been to Boone. I think I'm going to absolutely fall in love with Boone. Wow. Oh, I, so I was going to say Asheville, I highly recommend like, unless you need your car for surrounding communities, but if you're going to just do ash Uber. It's uh, and, and walk for the most part and trolley. Uh, but driving is a drag because all you're going to do is go somewhere in downtown proper and then spend your a, a half a day looking for a place to park.
0: I don't understand how you and Lisa can possibly communicate about the differences between Asheville and Nashville especially when you have two henderson going on. <laughs> is that yeah, funny? Uh, and the henderson really are, are
1: really opposite too. Hendersonville okay. and Nashville is uh all along these like finger lakes all connecting.
0: It's I, I really right. Cool. Yeah, That's and there's what I've every heard.
1: kind of community within there. I mean, you got from trailers, park to high end community all through the it's such a vast area and for anybody that's gotten into the show ozark uh which lisa and i love it totally reminds me of ozark being on the really stuff and yeah you got every kind of community you can i i told lisa we should like uh get some investors, which we've been talking about, and, and mow down a, uh, a trailer park because you could get that cheap and put in a development. And, you know, we need investors and then sell off what we don't what we're not going to use and then virtually have our retirement home and community paid for. It's wow. in the 050 sense that we talked about earlier. Right. On. Right.
0: I love that. I love uh, that.
1: So uh Hendersonville, was a half hour south. It's a hat was it is a half hour south of Asheville, and okay. a beautiful downtown area. And I got a bunch of photos and I can't find them at the moment. Let me get out of here. And uh so like I was saying about Asheville is that it's it's a really fun city. uh It's It's, uh, I, in my opinion, it's the nicest city I've been to. However, Uh, it's fun. It's bustling. You're in the mountains. It's hilly. It's beautiful. Every, there's shops, you know, back to back to back to back to back shops of really high end stuff, but really cool that you'll never be bored. A great food scene where foodies, uh, an incredible food scene. And um, here we go. And uh, share, share, share. Where's the share? There it is. And uh, like a, that's and I made this one really small, because Lisa's going to freak when she sees that I shared a picture. We're in Hendersonville here. That's the capital that <laughs> we'll see, looks see great. in the background. Yeah. Uh, oh, this is OK. Switching gears. This is the okay. Biltmore. That, yes. You know, you know of the Biltmore.
0: I do. You guys if, made it. It's great. Yes. Yeah. Wow. So look at that to, lawn.
1: Yeah, it's amazing. I got a lot of photos from there. You have to do it. It's really expensive. Lisa and I, being uh, the way we are, uh, this is the gardens. uh, Some of the gardens. Oh
0: my gosh, how beautiful! And there's
1: like eight different ones. We only saw a couple. Um, But you have to do it. But it's like 120 bucks a person. And when we were going through that gigantic mansion that you saw there yeah you know you start off you got this walkie-talkie that's telling you about each room as you go oh right everyone's doing a slow shuffle through all these well by room seven like seven of 50 or something we just stopped listening like who cares about what they ate in 1932 or whatever (laughs) and we just started walking through and rudely passing everybody and all that but we just wanted to see the place and it's ginormous. Wow. So, anyways, that's how we did it. Do it as you like. These are just some uh pictures of these. Wow. Oh, it's so amazing. In the background, here is what's called the conservatory. It's a giant, giant greenhouse, mm. and it is simply amazing. More of the gardens. Uh, and that's part of the conservatory uh wow. inside. Yeah. Oh, here's Hendersonville again.
0: Oh, how beautiful. It's so of the beautiful. leaves.
1: Yeah, it's so beautiful. This whole downtown strip is uh, nearly a mile of really quaint, beautiful shops. Uh, There's Lisa in the background way back there. That store that she is walking right about to rock walk into is called the mast company. And it's where I the shirt I'm wearing now this leather Sure. Oh, that's pretty
0: cool. I was gonna mention that. It's yeah. from
1: there, uh, along with several other things that I bought. Then it's really high-end clothing. And mm. um Lisa bought this super cool denim dress and promptly forgot to bring her credit card. So basically, I bought this super cool denim dress. Mm -hmm. uh, (laughs) (laughs) I like that move. Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, And this is I'm skipping around. This is when we went into just a few days ago, the Blue Ridge Mountains. And it they're was beautiful. so. Oh, you can. So you could take that road, the Blue Ridge Mountain Parkway for, mm-hmm. I don't know, through several states uh, for days, you could drive this and go to various elevations and stuff. And I only have one more photo. We didn't take a ton because I felt like, man, you could Google images, you know?
0: Yeah. Unless yeah. they're
1: personal with us in it. Just Google images. They're going to find mm-hmm. others you know, the best stuff that you want. You don't have to worry about it. Uh, so that's that. Um, wow,
0: beautiful.
1: Yeah, it was truly, truly a beautiful trip. And like like I said, we got to go back. Love Hendersonville. But uh, Boone is very much on our radar. And, you know, I forgot because uh, I, was, I was always rushed. I wanted to throw up the photos that Megan shared with us. She sent you a couple that she used Oh, to yeah, yeah. A uh, Boone it's nestled in the mountains at the at the base of these surrounded by mountains it is just it looks like it's out of a fairy tale
0: oh it really does i mean that's uh it's a beautiful beautiful place It almost didn't even seem real actually pictures supposedly affordable yeah yeah all
1: right yeah yeah all right
0: right. uh I, i believe
1: you (laughs) <laughs> I wanted to, oh, first of all, I wanted to mention that my Cleveland Browns, cause everybody's on pins and heels. Why is he going to talk about the Browns? When's our Browns? Well, again? yeah, I, I was, yeah. I couldn't,
0: I couldn't wait. Either. All right.
1: So they went into, or did they go into Denver or was it Cleveland? I don't remember. I missed most of the game and had to watch it on YouTube the next day, the highlights, but they were super beat up. No Baker Mayfield. Both of our star running backs were out, uh, just decimated and they, um, And they beat the Denver Broncos and played a really good game on Thursday night primetime. So that was very cool. Rumor has it Baker is coming back. And so is Nick Chubb, their number, I think, number one running back in the league. So uh, playing to play the Steelers on Sunday. Oh, that's a big deal. It's a huge deal. And I'll tell you right now after beating them back to back at the end of last season, mm-hmm. Mike Tomlin is going to have that team fired up. They're going to come out there like, and he's going to be telling them, look, they're now's the time. Now's the chance. They're super beat up injuries. If we don't get them now, we never will. So they're going to come in like smelling blood in the water.
0: Mm-hmm. Right?
1: So it's going to be, it's going to be a bloodbath. What's the
0: uh, uh, What's the Browns record now? Four and three. Four and three. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. So, Long season uh, to go yet, but you know what? It'll be uh, 17 games now. It'll be virtually halfway through the season after Sunday. It, that's anything could
0: happen at this point.
1: It really can. The thing about the NFL is by the time you start identifying who the teams are this year, it, the season's halfway over. It goes so fast
0: yeah yeah no kidding wow hey so that's that's enough of that
1: i know i just have to do my little update but what i wanted to talk about in this upfront part was just uh off the cuff is just uh like yesterday uh, but between two days i listened to joe rogan uh interview jewel the singer yeah and it was one of the best podcasts i ever listened to How's that? Oh my God. Her story. I knew, I really didn't know much about her. I heard, the I know rumor. nothing about her. Okay. She's, uh, she was a folk singer who rose came, uh, rose to fame in the nineties during the mm-hmm. grunge era. Mm-hmm. So imagine mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Um, and, uh, her, I I heard somewhere along the line that she was homeless before, uh, reaching fame. That's all I knew. Like she was living out of her car. Well, her entire story. So I, Pretty sure she's got a book out on this. Um, once they started talking, like Rogan is a terrific interviewer in the sense that uh if it drags or if the guest isn't that interesting, he'll talk a lot more because he's really interesting. And mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. and he's smart and so he, he can add a lot all on his own. However, once she got going, he didn't talk much, he didn't need to. He just asked a, a follow-up question here and there because it was fascinating. It was inspiring as always, one of the most inspiring podcasts I've ever heard. Um, and I'm not going to let the entire uh, uh, do a whole spoiler on the entire thing. But I'll tell you uh, a, a whole lot about it is I didn't know she grew up on what? what is that called now? A homestead, a homestead in Alaska and a homestead. What's, what's a homestead? Yeah, exactly. It's uh, her grandfather lived in Germany. And uh, this is back before World War II, I think. Mm -hmm. And uh, he Mm -hmm. saw the writing on the wall, he's like, Europe is going to fall. And he's convincing all these, uh, like artist types and all of that to move to America that they can get a homestead uh, granted to them from the government. And what that means is they're trying to settle that land there in Alaska, they will give you this piece of land for free. You just gotta
0: develop it, put a time. Yeah, I remember hearing about those programs back then. Yeah, So yeah. And, and in Alaska, was it in Alaska? Yes. Okay. Which you can imagine
1: how hard it would be to live in Alaska.
0: Heard a lot of those completely failed.
1: Yeah, I would imagine, man. So, uh, by the time he got his uh, tickets to come over or whatever, there, they, the uh, Germany put a moratorium, however you want to say it, on. On uh uh boat, passes. I'm leaving. Yeah, I'm leaving. Leave. Right. Yeah,
0: so you were trapped.
1: He was. I, I he he and his uh then uh new bride was were the only ones to come over, and uh so he settled this land in a, in Alaska and they had a bunch of kids and then her father uh you know got married and uh that's how so that's she grew up on this so, whole so no third generation. Yeah, right. no electricity, no uh, running water. <clears throat> they wow. eventually put a hose in the stream and then put it in through a hole in the wall. Okay. So it, it was kind of like running water. It was an amazing. So they Jeez. lived off the land. Um and grew crops and hunted uh what they could and that that's how they that's how she grew up but
0: holy moly and they were so she's a pretty tough person
1: <laughs> you you don't even know that half of it yeah. i didn't even scratch the
0: surface. i mean if you grew up in a situation like that that is uh that's uh, that's pretty tough
1: that's not that's not even scratching the surface yeah. so yeah her mormon parents divorced when she was like uh 13 or something Mormon's and
0: divorcing wow.
1: yeah really unusual. unusual and yeah. her father went alcoholic after that he did wow. not drink prior and wow. he got abusive her grandfather apparently was abusive too a mm. like smack people around type of you know hard the hard way of uh, being raised mm. and um she ran away from home at 15 and so she was in part of Alaska. She eventually made her way, oh, somewhere where she put herself through school, a college, a boarding school. I think that's where she picked up music and started writing music. And mm. then she went to LA and she was living out of her car. And so she had songs that she had written. Oh, so she used to sing with her father in bars at a very, very young age and uh, doing like the backup stuff with some other people. Gotcha. She already knew how to sing and she was yodeling and different things like that Hmm. in bars. And this is where she got a cold hard education about what uh, drinking can do to people, not to mention her father, but uh, being hit on by drunks and bars at a super young age. uh, Disgusting. Yeah. Uh, So she told herself that she would never drink or do drugs. And she said that, uh, and she was suicidal. Like after she ran away from home, she went through a long period of time of like, what is, life about. Mm. Why is it worth living? She was suicidal, spending a lot of very introspective time because she had a lot of time on her hands in between trying to find little tiny part time jobs, and um, decided at a point, she was just going to make happiness a number one priority. Okay, for life. That's her number one job, no matter what else she does, happiness will always be her number one job. And she found it. And so she started uh, singing, obviously playing guitar and singing uh, in a coffee shop, a great story about how she did a gig with another guy in a coffee shop, a different coffee shop that she got burned on like uh the the owner of the coffee shop charges a door a door charge to people Mm -hmm. to get in and kept all of the money she didn't know that she's playing all day and everything with this other uh real artist guy and uh at the end of this she's like oh my god i'm gonna have like several hundred dollars at least uh and then found out at the end of this oh you only get the tips i keep the door charge and she's and she got really Really angry with that. And this yeah. is a person that totally found her self-worth and self-esteem by this point. Amazing, amazing person. So she sees, I just gotta tell you this part of the story. It's just fantastic. She sees this other coffee shop. It's it has a sign in the window that they're about to close in a couple of weeks. She says to the owner, Hey, give me two weeks of playing in your coffee shop. Uh, we'll split the door charge. And if, and if you're not like back on your feet, cause she just wasn't making it this, this right, right. And if you're not back on your feet, then close, but I think I can bring you some serious business. And so this is how it happened. So what she did now, imagine the moral I want to get to what I want to lay out here is the inspiration about how tough times produce tough people. It yep. brings out the best. Uh, we've talked about this before. It It is challenge challenges. The biggest challenges bring out the best people uh, by far people that overcome
0: Agreed. serious
1: yep. crap. And so she's homeless. She's a, a brilliant challenge to this person at this coffee shop and it is kind of like divine inspiration as well. Well, she starts going to the beach and stuff like this and playing all day with the tip jar there and a sign saying I'm going to be at this coffee shop Thursday night. She says the first night two people showed up. Uh, oh. the, nec- the next time four people show up after that eight people in within six months, she's got a line out the door people looking in the window. And uh packed capacity. And then some well, she says packed capacity is only about 80 people, but it's packed. Right, right. Word gets out to a producer type who comes and watches her show. Dude, I get choked up talking about it, but he's visibly weeping, you know, just really that touched by her uh, talent and offers her a contract. Then other people at the same time gets in a bidding war. (laughs) <laughs> she's homeless, you know, not, and at this point, she got herself an apartment and a few hundred dollar car of vo- old Vovo. All right. She's uh. so this is where she at. She's at the label. The leading label offers her a million dollar signing bonus. Whoa. So she goes to the library and takes a book out on the music business. She's 18 years old at this point. All mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. She, She turns down the signing bonus and says, think about that. Think about that. She says, I want a bigger back end. So instead of the signing bonus, which I understand, I will have to pay back. And God only knows if I'm going to make it at all or whatever. Right, right. I want a bigger piece of the back end. And that's good for you as an investor. Yeah, got the biggest back end deal of anybody in history. Wow. It went on to sell millions of records.
0: So, Boy, that is really putting your money where your mouth is. Oh, that is so. Well, that's that is putting your money where your mouth is. And so she's a singer. That's pretty cool. Um, that's not the worst wow. of
1: her story.
0: I can't. I can only imagine there's that uh, it was just beginning. There,
1: I'm not even going to give it away. But there's something even uh, more tragic that happens to her after this. That uh, she once again she remind herself. Happiness is always my number one job. And she also on the heels of her hit record, which her biggest hit was the first song she ever wrote when she was like 15 or 16 Mm -hmm. or something. Mm -hmm. It's an amazing story. I want you guys to listen to it. If if you're ever feeling down, feeling sorry for yourself, not feeling motivated, any of this, this podcast will lift you up
0: i can see that this had a tremendous impact on you on you on your heart and uh, i love that and i can tell that this is worthwhile because when that happens everything that i've seen that has an impact on you like that there's good stuff right there um so would you say that she's in a happy her happy place now yes okay so now that's unusual because Mm. it seems to me and i see all these shows on television all the time uh where it's like a band uh, uh, that uh they you know it is like your favorite band hey let's tell the story about your favorite band it's always doom gloom tragedy in the end yes they're all addicted to heroin and they've Mm -hmm. they've ruined their families their kids their relationships and half of them die uh, that's a good a way, point. way she talks why does about that it? happen why is it always like that in that business because she and rogan
1: talked a lot about that and they're the best people to ask that question to.
0: and uh
1: but she said that people most people that pursue fame and fortune have a big hole in their soul that they're trying to fill
0: i thought that's what she would say mm-hmm. it seems to me that this is uh You're chasing the wind, right? I mean, it's, it's, you're not, you think that it's going to be this great, glorious thing. And it's just not that thing that you thought it was not fulfilling. That's right. There's and and inside of each of us, we have this hole that needs to be filled. And uh, I love that her goal was happiness because she she realized that she is responsible for that. Um, yes, that yes. is not something that Good just, point. happiness doesn't just happen you have to take responsibility for mm-hmm. your own happiness and I love that you're what you're saying right now and this is a dark time that we're living and for many many yeah. people around the world yeah. and the one strategy to get through this darkness is to focus on stories like this because what you realize is that you see these people look she was homeless she, she grew up in the middle of nowhere in Alaska there's no running water they had to get a pipe to come through the, the hole in the if wall. you wrote
1: this as fiction it would never be believable it's I mean, know?
0: it's crazy crazy yeah. and, and so focusing on stories like this always prove that hey if this person can do it there's hope for me Anybody. and uh, you know what Barry I've actually uh, just turning just a little bit but staying on the same side Subject, I really on this whole uh, subject of happiness is up to you. Um, I realize that as well, and I'm going through my own turbulent time right now. And I'm I'm a huge reader, as you know, yeah. uh, and really focusing on books that tell that story. Um, I'm gonna just uh, display a couple of books that I've that I've uh, been into lately. This is one that uh, my oh. sister-in-law Liz gave to me. It's called Love Does. It's by a, a lawyer by the name of Bob Goff. This guy, I want I want to meet this guy. Uh, he's it, the thing I love about this book. First off, is that it's split up into small chapters, two three pages at the most. And there's something about each chapter is a mini story from his life. He's a great writer, but it's all about overcoming. and And uh, I'm almost done with this. I, I'm on the last chapter. Every almost every single chapter has made me cry for joy at the end. I mean, it's just it's so encouraging. It's so uplifting. It's just in the middle of your heart. I I love judging
1: that kind of from the the sub uh, the title of the book. So is the. Does every chapter have a lesson that how love will help you overcome it, it, anything?
0: It does. It's it's uh, it's really Christian centered uh, about the agape form of love that we've talked about so much, the self sacrificing type of love. This guy is a guy that just jumps in the boat with you uh if there's a story about a guy that uh, wanted to propose marriage to his girlfriend he didn't even know this guy uh and he, he ends up having the guy at his house he and his wife uh Uh, cook dinner for this young man and his potential fiance and take them out on their boat. And they do all this stuff for this guy, but it all comes back to you uh, in the end. And it's just, that's the kind of story it is. It it Mm -hmm. talks about just getting involved with other people and in their lives and, and just, you know, the fact is, is just being there. Uh for somebody else, even if you don't even have a lot to add, just being there can make all the difference in somebody's life. And that's really what the book is about. And
1: that's good.
0: It's just it's so great. And focus that's another thing in this time, focusing on other people, and trying you've brought this out many times, Barry, and trying to help other people is yeah. just where it's at yes. and getting the focus off of yourself. Uh, a, a big deal. I uh, I got this book uh, from my brother-in-law. Um, it's what, a it's a weird cover. Yeah. This is the uh, this is the pillow guy. Let's oh, I can... turn that again. Oh, that's cool.
1: So okay, it has a reflective cover that this guy goes from scowling to smiling when he turns it. That's really cool. That's right. I
0: this one is uh from Mike Lindell, the the My Pillow guy. He is uh it's called What Are the Odds from Crack Addict to CEO. Oh and my he, god. I didn't he, know this. Story. Neither did I, and I got to tell you, he's dedicated this. I love the dedication. I dedicate this book to anyone looking for hope. And oh. I I'm that guy. It seems like it was a book that was written for me and um I'm I'm about a third of the way into this book but you would not believe the stories that this guy is telling from from the first uh, even the the preface it is like action And it's a page turner. And you'd think this is the pillow guy. Yeah. Um, And uh, he, you know, obviously he became a huge crack addict. And, um, his life turned into a complete disaster. It's another about one of those stories. How old was
1: he when he was in the crack phase? Uh, he
0: was uh, well. He he was heavily into cocaine, uh, probably right around the time he was about twenty years old, and uh, very much into alcohol as well. He had several DUIs, wow. uh, and uh, one in one day he uh, was going to this his buddy's house all the time that he would do coke with. And um, and one of them had this crack and uh, noticed that it totally changed this guy. They're very sociable. and But then the, the guy that had the crack would just disappear and go off all by himself. And he had made this vow with him and his uh-huh. friends that they would never do this. Well, he eventually does it and he's instantly addicted and it becomes the center of his life. Uh, wow. And then, but the the story eventually starts to turn, of course, and I haven't gotten there yet. But the man is a very successful CEO of My Pillow, uh, and you, I even know the jingle to the song. Everybody knows the guy now. Mm-hmm. It's an amazing story of hope that's being told. And in the meantime, again, in this book, it's um, the the every chapter is like four pages. And so it's, you get these, You it's easy to read. Uh, it's a page turner and every Sounds chapter crazy. is uh, is a, a nugget of something that you get out of it. At the end of it, it's like, oh my gosh, that's really wild. Let me turn the page. A friend of mine told me this was a good book, but he didn't tell me anything about it. And I thought, how could that be a good book? Mm-hmm. My brother-in-law Paul gave this one to me as a present when he was in town. Um and um, I just picked it up and started. I, I read the preface and I couldn't stop reading it.
1: Could you say the name and author again, so people? Yeah, this is fun. by
0: Mike Lindell, uh, the My Pillow guy, and it's uh, called "What Are the Odds?" and it's uh, nice. from Crack Addict to CEO. And Man, that
1: sounds great. I'm going to look for that. I if I could find that audio book, and I'm sure I can. It would be great to listen to when I'm working out and doing. Oh, I got go to go. I agree. Back to my house for a week or two. Uh, the rental house to uh, work on that. So it'd
0: be a really good time for me to listen to that book. So, so. It, it these are really uplifting books, I'm, I'm reading, um I, I'm, a, I'm reading about eight books right now. It's pretty crazy. Just got done with another book. Um, but this one wasn't so uh, uplifting. It's the book 1984 oh, oh. by George Orwell. And uh I I gotta tell you, um, I would highly recommend if you've read the book in the past, read Reread it again. It. I read this book back in 1983, I think it was, when I was a junior in high school. And uh it was oh. it was a good I thought it was a good book back then. I read then. it about the same time. Yeah. Yeah, they made oh, I thought it in was far fetched back then. I thought it was far fetched, but yeah. I found it very interesting. Me too. And I loved said that. This is, you know, about the Soviet Union and you know, this is what George Orwell yeah. is writing about yeah. and everything. And uh, you know, and I found it vaguely interesting. I've seen the movie a couple I of times. I thought it was good. As well. Yeah. yeah. It was good. Um, but when you read this today. It's just going to jump off the page uh, of of the pages of the news today, yes. and it's also going to resonate within you why all of these things are happening, why they're saying the things that they're saying today. It's, uh, it's it's startling how close this reflects all of the things that are happening today, and you start to think this was a book written in nineteen forty forty nine and uh, or it was completed in 1949 by george orwell did did you really i did a little research on george orwell he died at age 46 i did not know that i didn't know this either he was a communist he was an anti-stalinist he was an atheist as well uh he had uh, joined at one point in his life he uh became a part of the spanish civil war and if, and, and if you don't know anything about that war it was a prelude to the to world war ii and it was the fascists versus the communists and the uh and george orwell fought on the republican side which was the the communist side of things and an interesting thing happened in their faction of the war which uh uh, they lost, as a matter of fact. They um, they were fighting amongst each other. So George Orwell was uh, was a communist, but not a Stalinist, and apparently there was a difference. And those two started those two groups started infighting against each other. And um, and they started the the Stalinists started accusing the other communists of being fascists and destroying their reputation and their credibility, and they started killing these people. George Orwell was actually shot in the neck during during the war, and um, from that point forward, he was very unhealthy. Um, He really got into his writing after that, but in uh, 49, he wrote this book, 1984, as he was dying from tuberculosis. And um, when he finished the book, he was deathly ill, spent time in the hospital and, and died of tuberculosis the next year. And when you read the story about this whole thing, you think, "Hmm, did he really die of tuberculosis, or was he knocked off because he was being followed by the Secret Service? He was uh, a, 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 um, a a citizen of the UK, and they were they were following him. They were trying to keep his books off the shelf because remember, during World War II, we were allies. and the UK, was allies." with the Soviet Union. So all of this type of information that's in 1984, they obviously had a vested interest in not letting the public know about this kind of stuff. Mm. <clears throat> Again, um, it is uh, a reflection of that time in this time as well. Very interesting stuff, highly recommend it. And make sure you read an uplifting book along with this book, because this one is gonna really oh. take the rug out from underneath you. The- oh.
1: Wow that's really good advice and um uh,
0: I have one last right. thing to say about this and mm-hmm. and really the we talked about agape love just a few minutes ago mm-hmm. the It's very interesting that you'll find a theme in that book that what they're really, the government is really trying to crush on the inside of everyone is agape love. Mm. And uh, this is the self-sacrificing love. It's it's really the theme of the entire book, because if they can crush that, they can crush that spirit that's inside of you, Barry, then you don't have anything to fight for. You don't, you really don't have anything to live for and you can be easily controlled as, as a matter of fact, go ahead. You know,
1: Jordan Peterson was talking to somebody a few days ago, a podcast I was listening to, and they were talking about the author of this book that he was talking to is not a Christian per se, as I recall. Uh, And, you know, Jordan Peterson is a Christian But coming from a very intellectual point of view with it, you know, and so he's always struggled with uh, trying to find the deep meanings of the Bible, and I think he does an amazing job with that. But what they were talking about, which really struck me, just really riveted me, was the author of this book was talking about... um, the how do you say it? It's a it, there's a phrase that people say when God has left a uh, society, civilization. There's a a, a term that's kind of often used. But he said that as that has happened over the decades here, uh, something is going to replace it. We have this natural inclination for a higher power, something greater than us. So if it's not God, as you know it, uh, then it's going to be something like maybe government and i'd say for a lot of people barack obama took the role of that barack mm. himself and yes. i think that was very misplaced because that was a very imperfect leader um so it's something to think about and it's you know whatever you find uh to be your higher power you got to know that you have a calling or uh there's something greater than you otherwise i don't know you're left with all your own brokenness and there it becomes nihilism and there's nothing there's no reason to live kind of there's a reason there's no hope
0: there's no hope exactly barry there's a reason why these communist countries the soviet union uh china uh they the one of the first things uh nazi germany one of the first things that they do is they they attack the church
1: they take your and religion away and that's what they I was have to, to do
0: to. that they, and you're exactly right because they need to be the almighty in your life and there cannot be any questions or dissent because they're god now and oh, what they no say no greater is true.
1: example of that than north korea that uh,
0: What's absolutely absolutely it's, it's, barry. i'm
1: seeing rumors uh that he's on his
0: deathbed we've heard that kind of thing before mm-hmm. I, don't, I mean you look at the guy he's not the picture, the picture of health, health <laughs> right that's for sure right. but you know barry back to this whole thing about agape love because that is the center of the bible is god is love that the agape mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. love that's the god kind of love and when you see societies. Attacking the church—that's the first domino to fall, mm-hmm. uh, and um, you see that when we see that kind of thing happening here in this country, we have to we have to look at that as well. Whether you're an atheist or whatever you believe, when we attack the the foundations of religion, and I'm not talking solely about Christianity, when mm-hmm. we go after religion um we have to start to wonder what is the purpose of this and at the same time when we see a government that wants to control every aspect of our lives and tell us what to think that's exactly what was happening in 1984 well that's the whole two plus two equals five or maybe tomorrow it'll be two plus two equals three mm-hmm. it's, and, and if it's tomorrow it's two plus two equals three then it was never two plus two equals five. Uh, It was always two plus two equals three. And we start to see things that are happening in the news today, like $3.5 trillion is zero, zero, zero. (laughs) How how do we believe that? But we hear that coming from our our leaders today.
1: And then another thing that bothers me about that, Right. Right. In that line with that
0: manipulation is uh,
1: uh, Bernie. Bernie uh,
2: Sanders.
1: Yeah. Sanders is uh, his moniker. All of a sudden with that is, well, it should be six trillion used car salesman stuff. Well, it should be six trillion. So three point five trillion is nothing. When I hear talk Mm -hmm. like that, it's like
0: run, run the other way. Absolutely, absolutely. This is uh, no better than trying to win one of those carnival games. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. If you win, you actually lose because the Mm -hmm. thing that you just won is worthless. Mm
1: -hmm. Hey, I just thought of something. I'm back to that Jewel interview, and I just want to put a cap on that. With uh, she made an important, important point. She she came to all of these realizations for herself at this young age, when she decided that happiness would be her number one job. And trust me, the music industry took a distant second and um, good. She proves it over and over again. Yes, she is happy. Uh, But she, she said that she was going to turn, poison she was abused right Uh, physically abused by her Mm -hmm. father and you can imagine how that is is your uh adolescent uh she says she's going to turn the poison into fuel or wine or however she said it she's going to take the worst aspects that have ever happened to her and use it as fuel uh, you know i love
0: that that is such a great thing
1: you you know i would
0: think it's the catalyst
1: it's the pinnacle of the whole conversation we've had
0: well you know barry uh, they always say that the the greatest generation was the world war ii uh, mm-hmm. generation here in the united states and i think about what you were saying in the beginning about how all this adversity causes the best character to be able to to it's refined in mm-hmm. that crucible mm-hmm. right it's mm-hmm. it's 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 out that way and when you think about everything that that generation was dealing with these young kids were dealing with leading up to world war ii this uh you know they were in the depression there was a great dust bowl that happened they're starving their parents are just barely making it That's And right. then world war ii happens and those are the kids that are now old enough to fight in the war But everything they had to go through before they got to that was just a life and death kind of preparation. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting. I'm reading another book called the boys in the boat. Another book I got from my sister-in-law Liz, Mm -hmm. and uh, I'm actually listening to this one on uh, audible, which is fantastic. I love that. Mm -hmm. But the the coach is in the mid thirties. The coach is uh, of this rowing team is noticing that the freshmen are there's some kind of spirit that's in them than the, the upperclassmen that he was depending on. And I just start thinking about the, you know, they're coming out of the roaring twenties and everything. And the younger kids have a different experience in life than the older kids do.
1: Interesting. And I just
0: started to think about this whole thing about how, you know, we can look at these trying times and be depressed about it and start to get hopeless, but really, um, these are. This is our training ground. This exactly. is our. This is our proving ground. This is our time to, to persevere through it. And just, we got to take it day day by day. If we try to eat that elephant all in one bite, it's gonna choke us. Yeah. We gotta take it bite yeah. by bite. And we gotta find ways to encourage ourselves, encourage each other. Um, you know, it's your responsibility. To do that. Otherwise, the, the stakes are high here. The stakes are extremely high. But it's really a choice of life and death here that we're looking at.
1: I totally agree with you. And I think the only way that we're going to get on that path is with the realization that we got to stop the victim mentality. We got to stop putting it out there and telling people that they're victims. So, therefore, give them free, all this free stuff, which then makes them softer and softer and softer. We got to stop the coddling. And we got to start encouraging. And that's the difference between uh, self responsibility versus victimhood. We got to get out of it. We got to turn that around. And we Mm -hmm. you're talking about the World War II generation. Because they were so thankful for what they achieved. They then didn't want their their kids who wants their kids to suffer. Nobody does. Right gave their kids way too much. And what did we get? We got the hippie generation man who then turned around and raised the and coddled us even more. And and this is a this has been a uh, system that's been going on for the last couple of generations that we need to realize where we're at. And we Boy, need, yeah,
0: that was really well said, Barry. We I mean, really a, a great rendition of what's happened in history since then. And you look at all these social programs that came out. Uh, mm-hmm. after the 60s and yes. we've talked about this on the show before you know just focusing on the black community and the uh, civil rights act and some of these things that happened and and before the civil rights act in the black community 80% um uh, of the kids that were born had you know married uh parents and now it's more like uh 20 percent it's it's mm-hmm. the roles have flipped and mm-hmm. you know the government becomes your your dad yeah. uh, in a lot of these households and we we see right now that the plan is to super charge that uh that so those social programs that are out there with the build back better plan (laughs) which to me is is terrifying that um, this could potentially happen and really if this actually triggers it's going to change every aspect of life. In fact, Barry, I could say it this way, that um, since uh, the beginning of this year, my life has changed in so many ways. I've never had a presidential administration that, that changed my life in so many ways than this one. I've not seen that before, and I don't think I'm alone in that, that whole thing.
1: Uh, could you be a little more specific? How has it changed your life?
0: Um, well, I've never actually COVID. it, COVID's a part of it. Absolutely, COVID actually changed how we do business. Yes, it changed yeah. how we relate to each other. It changed my entire neighborhood. The uh, the riots that ensued after that, that um, with the whole defund the police, mm, uh, changed the safety of the neighborhood. We've now got. Uh, uh, acceptable poverty everywhere. The homeless community living on the streets. That never we never saw the acceptance of that before. Um, I'm seeing also a, a proliferation of heroin in my neighborhood. Uh, wow. Just the other day. Uh, there was a man at our swimming pool that was washing his socks in our in our hot tub and he had a a huge machete with him oh my Uh, god the police came and uh, he got away before the police got here and we were all standing around talking to the police and somebody brought up you know um it's interesting we're seeing a lot of uh uh q-tips on discarded on the ground everywhere and i'm just wondering you know what is that all about and i thought it was a strange question but i noticed that but as soon as she started talking about it i realized yeah i've been seeing q-tips all over the place too and the guy says uh you don't really want to know what that is. And oh, yeah, we do want to know. So yeah. apparently um, these heroin users are using the Q-tip to funnel the heroin through the, the cotton piece uh, in order to filter the heroin. And Barry, after he told me about it, uh, Anne-Marie and I went for a walk, Q-tips everywhere discarded on the ground oh wow And so this is people are doing heroin everywhere all around us right now I told you a story about how I had to kick some guy off of my front landing uh, who was just passed out there he was wearing very nice clothes he had a bicycle there too but he was just whacked out and it didn't seem like he was drunk. You know, this whole. So it's like he got off work and then shot up. Yes, exactly. Mm. Um, We went down to the beach uh, a few days ago and went on that bike ride that you and I went on and we saw someone just shooting up the people shooting up just right there with the hypodermic Mm. or with a needle and everything. They're just right there. We see Mm. it all the time now. And that's the whole thing is that when you steal hope, Away, they. What do they have to turn to? You know, you you mentioned it yourself. We have this hole in our hearts where all of us are looking for God. But if you take God out of the picture and you take hope out of the picture, people are going to turn to something else. Whether it's whether it's the government, whether it's alcohol or or heroin, God forbid. That's what we're seeing out there in the streets, and we're also seeing people that are. Uh, Just, there's no lights on, you know, you see in their eyes, there's no lights on. Here in California, Barry, we're about to, here in Los Angeles, we're about to go into a whole different phase of COVID. Um, there's a lot there is a, uh, the, the, the new law is going to go into effect in, uh, in about a week, November 4th, where you're going to need a vaccination passport to do Mm -hmm. just about everything Mm -hmm, here. mm -hmm. Um, you're, you're not going to be able to really participate in society without that. The mask, the masking that's going on here, like you said, in Cleveland, they're not wearing in the, in the store. It's a requirement to wear masks in stores or anything in public people that are driving in their cars are wearing masks Uh, people that are people that are walking down the street and it's funny because like I see people as I'm walking down the street I love to get out there and walk, but people are masked up and I and I always, you know, I look at people and stuff I like to say hi to people but I mean. I just see scared eyes. Uh, That's that's what I see. And uh, that fear mentality is, uh, is toxic. And I think that um, that's by design here. And uh, the the feeling of oppression here is, uh, is tangible.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, I don't know what to say about that. That's, like I said, going to um, I want to say, Austin, Asheville, Uh, just brought me right back into that kind of a world. And I really, um, Great place to visit, but I wouldn't want to live there in in downtown Asheville. But surrounding community like Hendersonville, completely opposite. We forgot about masks again. Half hour south, and and again, I will say that it was the culture. The, that's it was a beautiful area, but I love the culture. Like it, everything was comfortable. People were super nice. Everybody's really nice in Asheville too. It's just. Man, it was a political statement. It was a walking political statement at all times. And Hendersonville, everyone was just really nice and just really normal down to earth. And uh, I I love the vibe. Uh, So I filters everything
0: it is. You know, I was in Texas about a month ago and it was such a freeing experience being able to just walk into stores or wherever without a mask on and Uh, just there was a feeling in the air that uh, you know it tasted like freedom and uh, and then I had to get on the plane and fly back and it was agonizing to go go into the airport and put that mask back on and for I think I had to wear the mask for something like six and a half hours straight to get home and it was just like are you kidding this is uh, this is so crazy. And, and it, it's just such a hard thing to come back into this type yeah. of an environment. And it's I tell you what, um, this is uh, for people that aren't uh, um, taking their happiness seriously and taking the bull by the horns as far as their responsibility to plug into positive, into some type of a positive thing, like into your God or into whatever it is that makes you feel joy. This is, this is mentally damaging and possibly long-term. So take this extremely seriously. Now,
1: something that I know I always say in this, I'm sorry, people, but just a few days ago, listen to the podcast. I heard Jordan Peterson say uh, the only cure for addiction, there's only one cure for addiction, and that is a higher power.
0: Boy, well, I believe that. So
1: if you extrapolate that from what you just said, you take away the higher power and you're left with a lot of anxiety is what you got. Right. And anxiety kills everything.
0: It really know? does. Boy, if it, it it's strangulation. Sure yeah, if it really does. So what uh, you hear is go ahead. I have uh, I have a video that I wanted to share that is actually uh, very good news uh, that oh, I would like to that. be able to to put out there because here in the, can you enable my uh, screen oh, sharing un- and a certain un- ability? But yeah. um, you're right, we do need to see good news, especially uh-huh. in, in this day and age. Um, let me just cue this up here. This is something don't, I saw don't forget that, to hit the sound button. Yeah, thank you. Um, This is something that I I saw that I uh, thought, man, this is really great stuff. I got to make sure I have the right right show here, Mm -hmm. and I do. Okay, let me see if I can make this happen. Here we go sharing screen and you know, sound while you're doing that
1: i'll I'll mention you know we had a little time there that i wanted to back up your story last week when we talked about in uh loudonville virginia that trans person that there's a boy in a dress that raped a girl in the bathroom and this is you know during they're being um scrutinized for uh for having the woke culture permeate the school and they covered up the rape. And I said, I I wasn't gonna talk about that because I couldn't corroborate that story. Well, they were covering it up. That fully came disclosed. And that kid not only raped the one girl who, remember the father was getting drugged through the mud, uh, arrested and everything else for trying to expose this. Well, the whole thing, and I got a video. I want to talk more about it, but um, I wanted to just mention, put it out there that that has been way more than corroborated, and that's a big issue. It turned into a huge issue, and so
0: yeah. So the 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 uh, the person in question actually was. Is found guilty not only of raping that person's uh another that person who was guilty. arrested is his daughter but they moved him to another school yeah and in that other school he raped somebody else and the yeah. uh, verdict came in this week uh guilty on both accounts so um, now, what makes this even more outrageous is that um, this Terry McAuliffe is running for for governor in yeah. Virginia, the very state that this happened. Who said, "I don't think uh, that's going to uh, go well." Some pretty horrible things. McAuliffe said that critical race theory is not being taught in Virginia. That this is a dog whistle for the far right, and that uh, he also said that uh, parents don't have any business. Uh, dictating anything regarding their child's education. And then Barack Obama went and campaigned it. for him this week and said, Of course, he did. That, and mentioning this whole thing regarding critical race theory and specifically, really at the top of that uh, heap is what happened in Loudoun County, exactly what you're talking about. A bunch of people that,
1: overreacting or something.
0: Th- yeah, that this was all propaganda that was coming from the far right media and to juice this their ratings and Mm -hmm. that we Mm -hmm. don't have time for things that are unimportant like this and it's like can you believe that that came out of barack obama's mouth i I can't but it uh, disgusts me a young girl was raped there what happened to the me too movement i mean where where are these people now um and so how disgusting that this is happening not to me and this is a. This is just part of the that's just one aspect of what happened since the last time we did our show. So many things happened. We don't even have time anymore to talk about
1: it. I want to bring up this is good news as well. And I want to get on to your video because we're going to come back in a way to this again. But um, two entire states. Ohio and Missouri terminate their relationship with the National School Board Association. See, that's because they that's, endorse critical race theory.
0: You see, that's the great thing is that uh, it wasn't it sure it was 20 different um, uh, state uh, legislature. I guess it's legislatures legislature said, that actually separated themselves from the National School Board Association. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's what forced the National School Board Association into Having to say sorry and that they uh, need to change their processes and they were sorry for the damage that they had done, but it was really because it hit them right in the wallet. Unfortunately, <laughs> right. Um, right. the damage is done because the 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 Department of Justice had had uh, really sicked the FBI on these these uh, school board meetings, and he's not calling off his dogs on this. We've seen this in the, uh, of course, uh, um, uh, Merritt. Uh, um, the, the A.G. Guy. Garland, Merritt yeah, Garland. Merrick he Garland. is in
1: the hot seat, man. I got a video, right? Garland's the one that's supporting critical race theory. And boy, you should see the extended video of him getting grilled. It's I have
0: a, seen it. It's, yes. uh, well, Remember but, that Merritt Garland's son-in-law is in the business of critical race theory. So uh, as the be- Okay, let's go ahead.
3: for that directive. The National School Board Association's letter of September 29th. Was that directive being prepared before September 29th, before the School Board Association letter was issued? I don't believe so. Certainly I didn't have any idea. Before. So it was only prepared at... Okay. I think that answers the question. I already mm-hmm. answered that So, so you, you keep citing the School Board letter and news reports. News right. re- One That's of the right. news reports cited in that letter, which you presumably mean, is from Loudoun County, Virginia. No, mm-hmm. that's Scott, not, that is not um, uh, what I was talking about. Well, talking it, about. you keep citing news reports, and that's the most prominent news report that anyone in America has seen. That refers to Scott Smith, whose 15-year-old daughter was raped. She was raped in a bathroom by a boy wearing girls' clothes, and the Loudoun County School Board covered it up because it would have interfered with their transgender policy during Pride Month. And that man, Scott Smith, because he went to a school board and tried to defend his Mm. daughter's rights, was condemned internationally. Do you apologize to Scott Smith and his 15-year-old daughter, Judge? Senator, anyone whose uh, child was raped is the most horrific crime I can imagine and is certainly entitled and protected by the First Amendment to protest to their school board about this, But he was cited uh, by the School Board Association. That's fine, as a domestic that's not, terrorist, which we now know that letter and those reports were the basis for your. Dir- no, th- this, no, is, Senator, this is this is wrong. Shameful. Judge, that's, this is shameful. This here, this testimony, your directive, your performance is shameful. Okay, that's mm. not. Th- thank God you are not on the Supreme Court.
0: Thank I God. Could thank not God, say God, that God, better.
1: I, didn't, I, didn't I am so it. angry about this. And a lot of apologies need to be issued.
0: Barack Obama should be first in line. I totally. In fact, many are calling for uh, for him to be first in line for that uh, for that apology because he's he's uh, he's culpable on this. I mean, he's he's stoking the fires of this whole thing, and he yeah. should just go back into and his he's Netflix got, thing and he, he's just, got you know, to keep a lot collecting of all that money. I I totally agree that uh, it, it seems like these things should be lessening his impact on on the entire world because it's just disgusting now let's uh, take a
1: positive out of this because this really that bothers me so much and it should it should bother everybody that much but a positive is all this critical race theory and the national board of education um is all exposed now finally and they've been doing this undercover for a long time
0: they really have. They really have, and uh, it's it's being exposed out there. What is he doing back he there? He
1: was biting <laughs> his tail.
0: He. I got. I got
1: to tell you it's raining today all day so he he hasn't had his walk he's going
0: crazy he's all around. i I brought all these
1: treats and chewies and all this and he's been through they're all over the place
0: (laughs) all right i mean let's let's turn to something very positive here and it really has to do uh with the uh the schools and everything and and what happening here let me just go ahead and cue this up this will speak for itself and this one put a a lump in my throat
3: when the sos went up at a troubled school who answered the call a bunch of dad's here's cbs's steve hartman on the road
2: not many good news stories begin in such a bad news way it happened last month here at Southwood High School in Shreveport, Louisiana.
3: Plagued with violence. That
2: Over the course of three days,
3: another fight.
2: 23 students arrested for fighting. Massive police response. But strangely, God. there hasn't been another incident since. Perhaps in part because of this most unusual crisis intervention team. Nobody here has a degree in school counseling. No majors in criminal Good. justice. No, no. Your qualifications are Dad. We're dads.
0: We decided the best people who can take care of our kids are who For us.
2: What we do. So Michael Lafitte started Dads on Duty. We're out doing what we do for our babies. A group of about 40 Southwood dads who now hang out at the school in shifts. Let's go. Today any negative energy that enters the building has to run a gauntlet of good parenting.
1: What's going on, buddy? You
0: moving fast. I like that horse.
1: I immediately felt a form of
3: safety. We stopped
2: fighting, people started going to class. How could that be?
0: You ever heard of a look?
2: A look? Dads it's have just, the power to do that? Yes. <laughs> oh my not God. Not many people know it, but yeah. <laughs> let's go, let's go. But it's not just the firm stares and stern warnings. Let's make it to class, my son. It's also the dad jokes.
0: <laughs> they just make funny jokes like, oh, hey, your student's untied, but it's really not untied. <laughs> and they hate it. They're so embarrassed
2: by it. <laughs> and it's that perfect mix of tough love and gentle ribbing that dad do so well that has helped transform oh, this school. The school has really just been, like, happy, and you can feel it. Which is why the dads plan to keep coming to Southwood indefinitely.
0: Because not everybody has the father figure figure at home. Or a male period in their life.
2: So just uh, to be here makes a big difference. Do you think you stumbled onto something here? Absolutely. 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 I have a good morning. They'd like to start chapters of Dad's on Duty throughout Louisiana and hope to eventually take on the country. All right. Without a fight. (laughs) Steve Hartman on the
1: road in Shreveport, Louisiana oh my god thank you for that merle that was absolutely it choked me up in all the best ways but it was the most hopeful and we needed that you know what we got through some of that awful news right there and i really needed that
0: right it doesn't give you hope
1: well it it does because it's not a single incident it's probably a movement
0: it is that's a great
1: thing we're talking about parenting bringing the parenting into the schools not the school teachers
0: yeah and here's the theme of this show i think is is love and how love changes everything and you know the love of a father uh i just have to say that uh you know as a christian we have a loving father and fathers actually epitomize that in their children's lives and other people's lives as well these Unfortunately, the way society is now, that has been squelched out of society and the value of fathers has been has has suffered from that whole thing. Uh, take it from me as a father. Uh these things there's there are forces that are against this and Charlie, come on man. I'm trying to trying to say something serious here. <laughs> uh but you know when you see these people who have sacrificed their time in order to invest in their children and the other people's children and you see the dramatic impact that happened right away it was like putting medicine oh. on that situation and yeah gosh, i hope more people see that and get involved i tell you in in my own children's lives if they're watching they know that if there was any sign of trouble, their dad would stop work and be yeah. down there. Those people knew me by first name down there. And that's how it should be. And I think if we take a look at all, this whole problem, critical race theory, all the weird things that are going on in school, dads yeah. get involved. Of course, moms look, get involved, but you need the dad in there. Dads need to be involved.
1: That story just illustrated that perfectly. You, All of the crap with uh, the government trying to raise your kid uh some of us know how horribly uh down the wrong road that is but that story showed how quickly and instantly those fathers healed everything they solved Boy. the problem those kids that were interviewed they I, nobody could explain it better than what they just did
0: An i really instant love solution that. they said so the one girl that said Do you ever hear the look I <laughs> man, I remember my dad. Yeah. All he had to do was look at me and I would be yeah. frozen. <laughs> so I would yeah. almost not even be able to breathe. And, yeah. Uh, and that's really uh, so critical to our socialization for everything to have that to have the tools to be yeah. able to have happiness going forward in life, because really yeah. it comes love and happiness are cannot be decoupled. No, not at all. Things. Go together,
1: not at all. Um, uh, boy, what was I just gonna say about that? Uh, I had uh something to wrap that up with, and it totally lost me because of Charlie here who's going in the cage for the after show. Um <laughs> Do you want, do you want to wrap it up here? I yeah, think it's let's a good do that. Point.
0: Yeah. We've done a, we've done a good uh, session here. I think yeah. lots more to cover in the after show. We haven't even yeah. really gotten to very many of the current events and there's a lot of them.
1: They, there sure are. All right, everybody go to over 50, starting and catch all of our episodes, but sign up for the email list and get all these links and everything else in your email box. As it happens. Love you guys. See you next week. Mm-hmm. Hey, sketch, right? Let's all right.